This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host, John Barsness. Today we've got a special group uh, of uh, women in construction that are project coordinators or project managers or something in between for our organization. So we're going to focus today's uh, conversation around what it's like in the construction industry from your experience uh, and your lens, uh, both in the work that you do today and then how you got into the construction space. Um, So I'm going to open it up and ask the first question, which is telling us a little bit about how you ended up in the construction space to begin with. What was it that got you excited about being in this industry? I'll jump in. So mine was, since I was a kid, my parents flipped houses. And so instead of going home and watching TV or playing video games, I would be jumping over after school and helping them remodel the houses that they were working on. Um, I've always been pretty hands-on. So I got at an early age introduced to construction and remodel and found a passion for it there. I'll jump in next. Um, I ended up in construction completely by accident. Um, I was supposed to be going to Peace Corps and had left my previous job because we were uh, only a month out from leaving. So my job was to get everything ready to go and sell pretty much everything. Um, And then about a week after I had left my job, my husband was put in the hospital and we lost our medical clearance and I needed a job. So I ended up in commercial roofing um, and I found it really oddly inviting to women. Um, They were like, Construction as a whole, I found pretty inviting to women. Um, Everybody was really helpful and pretty much anytime I had a question, there was always someone there that would answer my question um, and I fell in love with it. And so I've decided to stay with it since. I was kind of by accident too. I didn't plan on going into construction when I first started. Um, In fact, my first career after college was finance. I did that about 10 years before shifting over to construction, but um, it's really rewarding and I had to take a, a good look at what I wanted and what I wanted to do. And at the end of the day, I wanted to see something tangible for my work um, instead of just working in abstracts all the time. And this has been very rewarding for that because you can start with nothing and literally end up with a new building, which I think is pretty cool. So, so Nicole, just a follow-up question on that. When you spent a decade in finance, what did what were you able to translate from that career into becoming a project manager? Um, a lot. It's priority management. It's being able to think quickly on your feet. It's being able to come to good solutions um, for the companies that you work with, but then most importantly, for your customers. So. Obviously, the construction industry by stereotype is traditionally a a male-dominated industry. What have you guys found to be either pros or cons for entering into the construction industry? What have been some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome maybe because of your gender uh, that maybe your male counterparts didn't have to experience? I would say the knowledge gap. um, A lot of times, one of the cons of being a female in this industry is if 
you're working with another contractor or a client and it's a male, they don't necessarily always think that you know what you're talking about, despite that you likely have more knowledge than them. So that has definitely been a challenge. Um, but I would say one of the pros at the same time is you do meet those um, men in the industry as well that they're impressed that you're willing to put in the work to learn the trade and they respect you for that and they're willing to go the extra mile to help you out. I kind of had a pro. I used to paint and kind of stumbled into that accidentally as well. And it was a lot of um, repaints of houses, you know, just local, really simple things. And the homeowners that were women loved that I built out an all-female crew that was working on their homes. For some reason, there was more trust there. They didn't think that we were haggling them in any sort. Would always bake us cookies, <laughs> all the good things. So I guess there's a pro in that who your client is, if they are female, there was more of a trusting relationship versus working with a male counterpart. Um, I know from the management side, um, you can run into a lot of times, there sometimes can be issues with being taken seriously or for them fully understanding kind of what your role truly is. Um, I know, especially early on too, when I'd show up to different job sites, people would either think that I was the inspector or they're like, no, who is the project manager? We want to speak with them. And I'm like, no, that's me. I can answer any questions you have, so go for it. So just kind of overcoming some of those hurdles. So Megan, you touched on maybe an advantage of being a, a woman in the construction industry. What are some other advantages that you guys have found that uh, allows you to do your job so well uh, in, this, in this industry? We're women and we're awesome. <laughs> there is that uh, and there is no comparison between the, the two genders on that front so there's actually truth there um i know it's kind of stereotypical but the relationship piece i think that we're just natural at building the relationships and just kind of connecting you know past just a work level with people and i think that goes a long way um, kind of like with what you said, just building the trust and then in a bunch of different areas of work too. So, yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the planning aspect of, of project management or uh, the industry as a whole. When you talk about uh, taking a project on uh, from the estimate all the way through to completion, what are some of the keys that you would want others to know if they are looking at, at you as females in this industry and they're thinking about getting into the industry, what are some of the things that you've learned already to be able to manage uh, projects and gain that credibility right away in, an, in, a, in a traditionally male-dominated industry? So what are some of those things that you would say are most important to help you become uh, strong in the project management side? Knowledge, you know, do your work, do the background, ask the questions that need to be asked because when you're approached and there's a stereotype there, if you're able to fire back and say, no, I do have the answers and I do know what I'm doing, that's just going to gain all the more ground and all the more respect. So just that background based knowledge and building that up. With the client is huge. Um, in those instances where maybe you don't have the knowledge, as long as you're communicating and you're consistently providing information and saying, hey, 
I might not have the answer for you now, but give me a minute. I will get that answer and I will get back to you. And following up on that is huge. Um, for me, that's gone a really long way and clients really appreciate it when you stay in touch and you're updating them every step of the way. I think you have to love learning and researching the industry because then if you're kind of on the leading cusp of things, whether it's green technology, resource management, um, just new, better ways to do things, I think that takes you a long way as well. So it sounds like preparation and communication are two things that I heard as a, as a primary theme uh, that you guys have found to be successful and you've been able to leverage. So what are some of the things that you would say to avoid if you are looking, if people are looking to you and saying, why would I want to get into this industry? I want to be successful. What are some of those things that you've learned either through trial and error or not being as successful when you first started out that you'd want to make sure people understood and knew? My biggest thing would be, don't be afraid to ask questions. There is no such thing as a stupid question. Um, that's how you learn. And um, as Nicole said, like learning in this industry is huge. Like if you're not willing to put in the effort to continually learn, you're not going to succeed. So I would say, don't be afraid to ask the question. Even if you're intimidated, ask it anyway. If they don't answer it, find someone else and ask your question. I think that there is a lack of confidence in what you're doing. It's going to be a huge stumbling block uh, down the road. So whatever steps need to be taken to build that confidence in yourself and knowing what you're doing uh, and knowing what the job entails uh, is going to prepare for a better outcome when it comes to succeeding in, in this type of role. I kind of feed off of that too. You need to be willing to check your attitude because there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And if you're on the wrong side of that line, either direction, you'll turn off a lot of people that you work with. So just being able to self-evaluate and make sure, you know, that you're kind of in the sweet spot where you need to be. So, so our organization is built around our culture and core values. And I, and I look around this table and, and the three of you are, are uh, newer to the organization over the last couple of years, but you also bring a level of talent that the organization hasn't seen. So how do you, as you looked at this organization, as at this opportunity, what were some of the things around the culture and what we value as an organization that were attractive to join our specific company within this industry? The focus on people. Um, there's room to make mistakes and to grow and to learn. Um, there's definitely a foundation built where everybody wants to see everyone exceed. Um, and that's gonna turn out great for everyone and all of our clients. Um, so really just the focus on the people and developing them, growing them, then in turn growing the organization is, is really what attracted me to FCP. I'd say for me, it was doing things smarter instead of harder. That was a big deal because I know trying to keep life balance can be a struggle sometimes, but I really felt like if I came on board here, just from everything I'd seen and heard and just, you know, the lives that other people were living while working here, um, by being able to do it um, 
smarter, it does give you the opportunity to have more of that life balance than maybe some other companies in the industry allow for. Yeah, and I would say for me, um, it's really rare that you find a company where the goal is people, growth, and drive, and they actually show those values day in and day out. Um, FCP um, from day one has always gone above and beyond to take care of everyone within the organization. Even if it's maybe not the best interest of the company, they've gone out of their way to do that. Um, and I can't say that about 99% of companies. Um, and then they also really focus on teamwork and everybody's set for that common goal and we're all supporting each other, which is really nice environment to work and it makes you feel supported and want to try harder. So as you look at how this organization has, uh, has attracted talent into the organization, all of you have a desire to be leaders in your own, in, in your own sphere. What are some of the things that you think are most important to leadership? Gaining trust and influence, um, putting the work in to develop those relationships, understand really what makes people tick, um, what they appreciate and what they don't appreciate, uh, and making sure that you're consistently communicating in those ways and following through with what you say to build that foundation of, of trust and influence. Yeah, I'll say, I can hit the nail on the head on that one. <laughs> um, honest communication, being truthful to what you're going to do. Once you gain the trust of the people you work, sky's the limit. I'd say boldness is another key factor too. Um, <clears throat> and just, it's not necessarily a lack of fear, but the willingness to do stuff even though it scares you. Um, I think if you have that, that takes you a long way on your journey to being a good and successful leader. Specifically within project management, are there skills that you think that if somebody can learn them before they become a project manager, uh, it will help them go a long ways towards being successful um, that you might have wished you had when you first started doing the work that you're doing today? Learning how to keep yourself organized, I would say that is a huge one that most people, when they get into the field in some capacity, have to learn. Um, but if you can learn how you operate best and how to keep yourself organized with tasks and dates and just keep it all where it needs to be. That's huge, um, especially since you're following a project from start to finish. Um, so knowing how to keep those little details organized is big. This might sound silly, but empathy, I think, is really important, especially when working with clients. I guess even your team, too. But you are working with so many different types of personalities and every single client is going to be different in how they function and what they require and kind of their demands on the day in and day out. Um, so being able to approach those conversations, those things that just pop up out of the blue with empathy and understanding uh, to be able to tackle the situations successfully, uh, that empathy part will get you a long way and retaining those projects and retaining those clients? Um, for me, I'd say it's important too to make sure you're mastering the fundamentals. So know how to read your blueprints, know how to read them correctly, know how to communicate that stuff across correctly. 
Um, you don't need to master everything, but developing a network of people you can call on for the areas where maybe you're not strong in. You mentioned, Megan, empathy, and I think this is an important skill set for just about anybody. But traditionally, again, stereotypical in some ways, but traditionally men struggle with this. Um, how is it that you're able to take that type of a skill set that is probably more natural for females than males, generally speaking anyway, and use that and harness that to build a team around you that starts to understand what that looks like? So when you sit in a room with male counterparts and we're talking about whatever situations those are, how do you bring that into that conversation? Have you seen that change uh, either the decision-making or the way in which your male counterparts might think differently about a situation? You gotta, and this is open to everybody, by the way. I'm, gonna, I'm not picking on her. You have to make it the man's idea. <laughs> um, I'm kidding, but no, you're not. I, I'm not. You're right. I'm not. <laughs> um, I, it's it's so different with every group that you're in. Uh, you're right. There is parts of it that are natural ability, um, but also adapted and being in those situations. A lot of it comes down to really studying and knowing what makes a person tick, uh, understanding your client, um, and knowing what type of communication they prefer. And in that way, if you're being empathetic, it rubs off onto the person that you're working with because you're communicating with them in a way that they understand. Um, and I firmly believe that in turn, Typically, that is how they'll respond to a situation um, if you're knowing what makes them tick. I feel like I'm fumbling over my words here, but it makes it makes sense in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> but getting it out is, is not always the easiest. <laughs> what about you, you two? Do you have any uh, thoughts on, on how empathy has played a, a role in you being able to be as successful as you are, especially in a male dominated or, or uh, your male counterparts in meetings and whether that's your peers or clients? Um, I think for me, and I don't know if it's for everybody, but being able to have empathy helps me to not take offense as often to things. Um, Cause I'm, I understand the why behind, so maybe somebody's snapping and yelling at you, but I'm not going to take it personal because I understand that there's stuff maybe going on behind the scenes, maybe even not work-related, and so, yeah, I think just helps me be resilient and not take it personally. Yeah, I would say it definitely helps when you're able to put yourself in either your client's or crew member's shoe. Um, cause it does help you understand where they're coming from. So in those instances when maybe they're not at their best self, you don't take it personally, or it does allow you to communicate a little bit better. Um, I would say for men in general, I do think empathy, um, when it's not natural is something you have to consistently work on. Um, for a lot of people, even women, that's not always a natural skill. So it is something you have to be aware of and practice in order to get better at doing that. 
So let's pivot again and talk specifically about some of the, the projects that you might be either working on today or have worked on. Let's start with some of the most enjoyable projects, things that you felt the, the, the most uh, value out of that you were able to, to accomplish something uh, and, and why that was so successful for you and why you enjoyed that project. I enjoy problem solving. So it's not always everybody's favorite, but the jobs that just don't make sense and you don't know how you're going to accomplish them. And then things just like domino effect and end up falling into place and end up working. I get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing those really hard challenges um, come to completion. So for me, um, cause I typically do not work on prolonged month long projects. I'm working on shorter length projects. Um, so for me, some of the most rewarding work I've done is when I get an emergency, whether it's water intrusion or something of that nature, um, and I'm able to quickly get a crew out there to evaluate the problem and get it resolved within a 24 to 48 hour time frame, at least get them to a watertight condition so that they're not getting water in their building. They're not worried about hazards, lawsuits from someone, a slip and fall or anything like that. So those for me are typically the most rewarding type of projects I work on. Um, for me, I'd say the ones where you start with literally nothing, just dirt. And then at the end of the day, you have something. Um, to me, that's pretty cool. Um, some other big projects that I've worked on had environmental leanings, and that's really cool too, right? Like something that was completely sludge, and because you put in, you know, systems, now it's clear water. So that's kind of cool too. So let's go to the other other side of it. And they don't necessarily have to be bad projects, but maybe those challenging ones that you got into and realized it got more complex, more challenging as you went. And, and you had to, to adapt. And at the end of the day, it's all about completing the project. What were some of those that kind of stand out in your mind of, of why they were so challenging and, and what was rewarding in the end, even if it didn't go as planned? Well, with COVID, um, product delays have just been a nightmare. Um, and getting everything moving. It feels like you're like, yeah, we're going to accomplish this. We're going to hit our end date. And then all of a sudden it's like we're 50 gallons short somewhere and it's a week out and that's all they need to complete a project. Um, so with the product delays in COVID, it's been really a hurdle to get over to figure out how we can be proactive in getting that product moving forward. Um, and on the job site when it needs to be there. So. I would definitely agree with product delays. Um, anytime I get a job and still is involved, I start making phone calls right away because I know that that is going to have a pretty good lead time. Um, and you've got to prep the customer for it because they want it done now and you already know you're behind the ball with that product. So definitely product delays. In addition to projects that have product delays, I'd say ones with a bunch of surprises. I'm, we can all run into those from time to time, whether it's you find um, some hot mastics so you have to deal with abatement or just something else. But um, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just keeping good, clear communication with the customers, um, making reasonable you know, things that they can expect from us that we're doing to solve the problems for them goes a long way. When you're talking about doing, getting the work done through others, which is what project management is, most of the time you're not uh, actually physically doing the work yourself. Sometimes 
you might have to, but by and large, you're not doing that. What are the, th the attributes you look for in either hiring subcontractors or those people who are working on, an, uh, on a self-performing crew? What are the attributes that you look at and say, I have to have that on my teams um, in order for us to be successful? Hands down, I'd say I want people on my team that do what they say they're going to do because <clears throat> I know they're not going to buffalo me and say that, hey, you know, we can get this done and then I'll be three, four weeks past when they were supposed to be done with that piece of the project. So I would say flexibility, adaptability, and consistency. <laughs> like they need to be where they're going to say they're going to be. They need to try their best to get it done in the time frame. If something pops up, they need to be able to f be flexible um, and adapt to, to whatever change is necessary to, to complete the project. I would say all of those. And then again, my general theme apparently of the day is communication. They have to also communicate with me. Like if I'm calling for an update, I expect the phone to be answered or them to quickly get back to me instead of it taking three to four days to follow up with me. Beyond product delays or maybe labor shortage challenges, what are some of the biggest challenges you guys face in your day-to-day -day world, um, whether it's internal or external client-facing issues? What are some of the biggest obstacles and hurdles that you guys have to overcome on a daily basis? For me, um, since I am not in the long-term projects, I do short-term, um, it's staying ahead of the fire hose, um, <laughs> making sure you're not getting in the weeds and you're staying on top of it. Because once you get in the weeds, man, it is really hard to get back out sometimes. So just making sure you're staying on top of it and getting ahead of things before they get on top of you. Yeah, I'm piggyback on that. It's developing a proactive mindset versus reactive um, working on that, and, but it's gonna get us a long way. <laughs> I'd say a challenge that I deal with on a fairly regular basis is <clears throat> like just having customers that know kind of what they, they want. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast though. Like they can say they want one thing and so then you give them a price for that and then they'll change. And then you could even start the project and then they're like, no, no, we changed our mind. Now we want it like this and this. So just, you know, being able to adjust to that. How do you adapt to those situations? Cause that happens to every, in almost every project in some form or fashion. Yeah, you just have to, Approach it with a good attitude and roll with it, even if it's like the 47th time that they have like changed the same part of a project. But yeah, just have a good attitude, roll with it, set reasonable expectations again, both for timing and for price. Because um, if you do that at the outset, it helps prevent a lot of problems. What's the biggest thing or the most exciting part of what you are looking forward to as we wrap up 2021 and head into 2022 for your role, uh, your, your part of the organization? I'm excited for my part of the organization and my role just for growth, right? Just kind of developing our wing a little bit more, um, having more depth to it, having consistencies within our side, and then good, clear um, cross-communication with every other, you know, group inside our organization. Yeah, we've really introduced a 
climate of collaboration. Um, and I think that shift in, in the environment has really already started to get the ball rolling and get us on a more proactive route. Um, so I'm really excited to see where these collaborations can go on uh, how we can keep encouraging, cheering each other on uh, to be to be the best that we can be. Yeah, for me, it's definitely also gross. I'm really excited to see what systems we build out to help managing projects go smoother and help with communication with subcontractors. Uh, there's some definitely pretty exciting things happening, and I'm excited to see what where it goes. So I'm going to wrap up with a couple of, of questions about the audience that might be listening to us and, and, and hearing you guys talk about the industry from, a, from a being women in construction. Tell us a little bit maybe about what it is that you guys would want others to know about why joining a place like FCP, it would be a powerful thing for them to come into the organization, uh, especially from a female's perspective, uh, you know, speaking to that audience uh, who might be considering a career in construction. Why FCP? You're surrounded by a team of people that respect you and want to see you succeed. And they'll do whatever is necessary to make that happen as long as you have the right attitude and you share in the, in the same values that this organization does. I'd agree. I'd say this organization is a good one to come to if you believe in ironing, sharpening iron. Mm -hmm. um, we all have personal responsibility to make ourselves the best we can be, but it's an environment and it, we're surrounded by people who encourage and give the tools and resources we might need in order to be able to do that. Yeah, and I would definitely say you don't always find an organization that's gonna empower and support you, especially in the construction world. So finding a company like FCP, like it's a great environment and if that's what your goal is to learn construction and improve your skill and knowledge, I would say this is the best place for you. So broadening that question out uh, to not just specifically to FCP, but somebody's looking to get into the construction space uh, and, and what would you give them as your number one piece of advice for a female that's looking to get into the construction industry? Jump right in. <laughs> Honestly, um, especially I feel like within the last five years, the construction industry as a whole has been really trying to attract more women into the industry. Um, they definitely saw a need for that. And I feel like there's a lot more companies that are going to be willing to hire in. Let's say you have no construction experience going to hire you in and teach you um, versus any other industry. So I would say if you have the thirst to learn, uh, construction is definitely the way to go. Yeah, have a good attitude, put in the work. So attitude and effort, I guess, combined with dis discipline too. Um, when you're first growing and you're first learning, um, it, it takes that discipline to go above and beyond and spend longer hours to try and learn um, what you need to learn to be successful in the role that you're going to be playing. So build that foundation out and it's going to get you really far down the road? Um, I'd say if you're curious about entering the construction space, 
reach out to your organizations, your women in construction groups, all these different things. Get a little taste for it. Do some internships if possible. That'll give you a really good taste and you'll know. And that'll give you some insight too when you do go to choose a company to work for in the construction industry because that can affect your experience um, a lot. So anything else that I didn't ask or that you'd like to, to pass along to any of our listeners about your experience in construction uh, that you think would be useful or helpful for people? I think it's fun. I think it's awesome because like when you put in the work, you do see the rewards, which is a very nice thing. I would definitely say if you're someone that likes to see something from start to finish and you love that, the detail, um, it's a really rewarding job. I'd say just jump in, just go for it. <laughs> At some point you gotta learn as you go. Well, outstanding. I really appreciate you guys being a part of uh, this episode. Nicole, thank you for all that you're doing to enhance our construction group here at FCP Services. Jessica, you've already made such a huge impact in, in a short period of time on our break fix side of, of the business. And, and uh, it's just fantastic. And Megan, uh, you know, I get a, a much more close and, and uh, personal uh, glimpse into the day to day just because you're on my team. But you know, the, the things that you've already brought to the organization, all three of you have been with us for such a short period of time. And it gives me a great deal of, of encouragement to know that we've got great leaders uh, who are ready to, to step into whatever we ask them to do uh, and the opportunities that they present, present themselves. So anybody who's listening, who's looking to attract uh, high caliber people, don't call us because we've got them here and we don't want to lose them. Um, but uh, we do. We thank you guys so much for being a part of our organization. And, and uh, we look forward to what you guys are going to be able to bring to the future. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, remember, people drive growth.